Much Ado About Nothing, Act Three, Scene One. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Much Ado About Nothing by William Shakespeare. Act Three, Scene One. Hero, read by Amanda Friday. Ursula, read by Verity Kendall. Beatrice, read by Capricia Page. Margaret, read by Elizabeth Clett. Enter Hero, Margaret, and Ursula. Good Margaret, run thee to the parlour. There shalt thou find my cousin Beatrice, proposing with the prince and Claudio. Whisper her ear, and tell her, I and Ursula walk in the orchard, and her whole discourse is all of her. Say that thou overheardst us, and bid her steal into the pleached bower, where honeysuckles, ripened by the sun, forbid the sun to enter, like favourites, made proud by princes, that advance their pride against that power that bred it. There will she hide her, to listen our purpose. This is thy office. Bear thee well in it, and leave us alone. I'll make her come, I warrant you presently. Exit. Now, Ursula, when Beatrice doth come, as we do trace this alley up and down, our talk must only be of Benedick. When I do name him, let it be thy part to praise him more than ever man did merit. My talk to thee must be how Benedick is sick in love with Beatrice. Of this matter is little Cupid's crafty arrow made, that only wounds by hearsay. Enter Beatrice, behind. Now begin, for look where Beatrice, like a lapwing, runs close by the ground to hear our conference. The pleasantest angling is to see the fish, cut with her golden oars the silver stream, and greedily devour the treacherous bait. So angle we for Beatrice, who even now is couched in the woodbine coverture. Fear you not my part of the dialogue. Then go we near her, that her ear lose nothing of the false sweet bait that we lay for it. Approaching the bower. No, truly, Ursula, she is too disdainful. I know her spirits are as coy and wild as haggards of the rock. But are you sure that Benedick loves Beatrice so entirely? So says the prince, and my new-trothed lord. And did they bid you tell her of it, madam? They did entreat me to acquaint her of it, but I persuaded them, if they loved Benedick, to wish him wrestle with affection, and never to let Beatrice know of it. Why did you so? Doth not the gentleman deserve as full as fortune a bed as ever Beatrice shall couch upon? O oh, God of love! I know he doth deserve as much as may be yielded to a man. But nature never framed a woman's heart of prouder stuff than that of Beatrice. Disdain and scorn ride sparkling in her eyes, misprising what they look on, and her wit values itself so highly that to her all matter else seems weak. She cannot love, nor take no shape nor project of affection. She is so self-endeared. Sure, I think so, and therefore certainly it were no good she knew his love, lest she make sport at it. Why, you speak truth. I never yet saw a man, how wise, how noble, young, how rarely featured, but she would spell him backward. If fair-faced, she would swear the gentleman should be her sister. If black, why nature, drawing of an antique, made a foul blot. If tall, a lance ill-headed. If low, an agate very vilely cut. If speaking, why, a vein blown with all winds. If silent, why, a block moved with none. So turns she every man the wrong side out, and never gives to truth and virtue that which simpleness and merit purchaseth. Sure, sure, 
such carping is not commendable no not to be so odd and from all fashions as beatrice is cannot be commendable but who dare tell her so if i should speak she would mock me into air oh she would laugh me out of myself press me to death with wit therefore let benedick like covered fire consume away in sighs waste inwardly it were a better death than die with mocks which is as bad as die with tickling yet tell her of it hear what she will say no rather i will go to benedick and counsel him to fight against his passion and truly i'll devise some honest slanders to stain my cousin with one doth not know how much an ill word may empoison liking i do not do your cousin such a wrong she cannot be so much without true judgment having so swift and excellent a wit as she is prized to have as to refuse so rare a gentleman as a signor benedick he is the only man of italy always excepted my dear claudio i pray you be not angry with me madam speaking my fancy signor benedick for shape forbearing argument and valour goes foremost in report through italy indeed he hath an excellent good name his excellence did earn it ere he had it when are you married madam why every day to-morrow come go in i'll show thee some attires and have thy counsel which is the best to furnish me to-morrow she is limed i warrant you we have caught her madam if it proves so then loving goes by haps some cupid kills with arrows some with traps exeunt hero and ursula beatrice coming forward what fire is in mine ears can this be true stand i condemned for pride and scorn so much contempt farewell and maiden pride adieu no glory lives behind the back of such and benedick love on i will requite thee taming my wild heart to thy loving hand if thou dost love my kindness shall incite thee to bind our loves up in a holy band for others say thou dost deserve and i believe it better than reporting thee End of Much Ado About Nothing, Act Three, Scene One.